0: I invite you to open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12, Hebrews chapter 12, teaching through the book of Hebrews this summer. And uh, if you've been here most weeks, we've learned a lot. We've learned the context of the book of Hebrews and what the writer was getting at, particularly addressing uh, the Jewish people who some of them have left Judaism and have come to faith in Jesus Christ and they're facing tough times. Some others of them have left Judaism. They just haven't quite come to faith in Christ yet. They're facing some of those same tough times. And you can make a lot of applications from the book of Hebrews based on our life, because it wasn't just written to Jews 2,000 years ago. It's been written for us, hasn't it? And we can apply it to our life. The title of the message today is Discipline. It's a good thing. And so if you hear the word discipline and you automatically think it's a bad thing, I want you to know it actually is a good thing. There's a purpose to the discipline that God sends our way. Tom Landry, football coach of the Dallas Cowboys about 100 years ago. Anybody here never heard of Tom Landry? A few of you haven't. Well, uh, he was a presence on the sideline. He wore this hat. You just knew Tom Landry, great football, football coach. He defined discipline this way. He said the job of a football coach is to make men do what they don't want to do. In order to achieve what they've always wanted to be. And that's true about discipline. So there's a purpose to it. So here's what I want you to get the whole time. This whole message I want you to understand. There's a purpose to discipline that God sends our way. In fact it really follows on the heels of where we were last week. In uh, chapter 12 verse 3. It says consider Jesus. When the going gets tough. Focus back on Christ. And in the process. Don't grow weary. And don't lose heart. What had been happening is these people, when the tough times came, they were getting weary. What does that mean? They're just exhausted. They're like, I can't take it anymore. And they lose heart. Here's how you know you've left heart. You've just given up hope. It's now a hopeless situation. So right after that, we get to verse 4. Let me read just the first few verses of this passage, 4 through 6, to start off with. You have not resisted to the point of shedding blood in your striving against sin. And you have forgotten the exhortation which is addressed to you as sons. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor faint when you are reproved by him. For those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines, and he scourges every son whom he receives. So the word discipline is already in this part. In fact, in these eight verses, the word discipline occurs nine times. Let me just give you a working definition for discipline. Discipline is to teach or instruct as you would a child. To teach or instruct as you would a child. So he starts off, listen, don't, don't get weary, don't lose heart. You haven't resisted yet to the point of shedding blood. Who's he referring to? He's referring to Christ. Christ battled sin all the way to the cross, and he never yielded to sin. Even though at the cross he paid the penalty for the sin of the world, took it upon himself, upon his shoulders, he himself never sinned. He shed his own blood to pay the penalty for our sin. So here's the, the first point he's making is, listen, you haven't struggled that much yet. You haven't shed your own blood for your sin, much less the sins of the rest of the world. Here's the problem. Jesus Christ never sinned. We knew that he was tempted. In fact, the Bible says he was, he was tempted in every way that we've been tempted. So when you face temptations, there's no temptation that's new to man. Okay? There's not a new one. Satan had not come up with something new recently. They're all the same temptations, and Jesus was tempted. We can't say then, you know what? Jesus doesn't know what I'm going through. (laughs) Yeah, he does. He was tempted the same way we've been tempted. And yet he never sinned. Here's the big difference. When we're tempted and then yield, it's like the pressure valve has just been released. We're not under the pressure anymore. Now we're under the shame or the guilt that comes with it. Jesus resisted even to the point of death and conquered sin. So you haven't resisted yet like Jesus has, and you're striving against sin. And then he says, you've forgotten. Now, who is he talking to? Well, he's talking to us ultimately, but he's, in this passage, he's talking to Jewish believers who knew the Old Testament. And so he quotes, in fact, Hebrews, just most passages have all these quotes from the Old Testament. Why does he do that? Because he's writing to men and women who knew the Old Testament. So he quotes from Proverbs chapter 3 here and says, you've forgotten the exhortation that you should have learned. You should have learned this back in school that you went through, the the catechisms that you've gone through, where you're growing up for your bar mitzvah, your bet mitzvah, you, you should know this. The exhortation is this. In fact, have you forgotten? Here's the struggle we have. Sometimes we're wanting this new revelation from God. We're wanting new light, and we're not obeying the light He's already given us. And so he says, Do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord. Here's how you know you're starting to regard lightly the discipline of the Lord. Just four quick things. One, you become calloused. You become calloused to the discipline of the Lord, and you don't recognize God's hand in it. Or, we we start to complain and grumble. What are we really saying when we complain against the discipline of the Lord and grumble? We're saying, God, you don't know what you're doing. Or, God, your ways are not right. You're not right here. Or we start questioning God. We're wanting God to justify His discipline. Now, before I get to the next one, let, let me go, I already say there, there's some parallels here, parents, for how we discipline children. Children can become callous to discipline. Children can become, start to complain or grumble. Or this is a big one, children can start questioning. Anybody here have kids who ever ask why? Uh, you could get into this perpetual loop with kids sometimes. Why? And then you answer it, and what do they say? Why? (laughs) It's not they're really wanting an answer to the question why. It's just they're wanting you to justify what you're doing. And I think sometimes it's almost just that's just their default mechanism. Why? Why, Daddy? Why? Or why, Mama? Why? We do the same thing with God. He's heard us say that before. When God disciplines us, we're, why me? We question God. Then we also become careless. We become careless we end up just not caring about the purpose of God. And again, I told you at the outset, there's a purpose to discipline. And so don't become careless to the discipline of the Lord. So don't regard it lightly or don't faint. He's already said, don't, don't grow weary. Don't get to the point of exhaustion where you just become hopeless. God doesn't discipline us to make us hopeless. Actually, His discipline should make us hopeful. Why? Because who, those who the Lord loves, He disciplines. Listen. When you fall under the discipline of God, it's a good thing. It's something you can be very thankful for. God disciplines those whom he loves. Now, have you ever thought, I just wish God didn't love me so much? (laughs) Because you feel like you're constantly under the discipline of the Lord. One of the ways you know you're God's child is he disciplines you. In fact, be careful if you never experience the discipline of God. If you know you're doing things that are apart from God's will and you never experience his discipline to pull you back, We'll talk about it later. You're illegitimate. So the Lord loves. Whom the Lord loves, He disciplines, and He scourges every son He receives. Now, I've already defined discipline, but let me, let me unpack just three types of discipline that God does. Okay? We understand that God disciplines us if He loves us. If we're God's children, He loves us, and He will discipline us. Why? Because He wants the best for us. Let me, let me further define discipline. Couple. When you hear the word discipline, some people automatically go to punishment. There's a big difference between discipline and punishment. What is it? A lot of times as parents we think, well, I'm punishing my kids. Punishment really doesn't have a future in mind. Punishment doesn't have recovery in mind. Punishment doesn't have, I'm drawing you back. It's just you're paying a penalty for something you did. You're being punished. Discipline has a future in mind. Discipline is hopeful. Discipline is saying, I'm trying to turn you around. So a big difference between discipline and punishment, there's also a big difference between discipline and child abuse. As I, as I complete, or as I go through this message, I don't want anybody to equate discipline in the home with child abuse, and it, we'll get to that in the next section. So big difference between discipline and punishment, big dis, difference between discipline and child abuse. But three types of discipline. One is correction. That's when you do something wrong, And God disciplines you. He disciplines you to correct you for sin. You have committed a sin. You've done something wrong. And folks, God forgives us of sin. But sometimes there's still consequences to sin. David committed a sin with Bathsheba. And yet in the Old Testament, he's called a man after God's own heart. What does David do? David commits adultery. David has her husband killed. And yet there were consequences to that. David lost a child because of that. David lost, I think, some privileges even for what God had in store for him in building the temple that he didn't get to do. So there's consequences to sin. There's this corrective nature to discipline. There's also prevention. There's times that God disciplines us in advance of something we're about to do to prevent us from getting to the point of sin or prevent us from danger. For example, Paul's thorn in the flesh, 2 Corinthians Chapter 2, excuse me, chapter 12, verse 7, Paul says, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations for this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself. What was God doing for Paul? God gave him a thorn in the flesh. Scholars have debated over what that is, and I'm not going to go into it today because it's not clear what it is. It's clear that Paul prayed God would remove it, and God did not. God Paul finally came to accept it. I know why God's doing this. Because if it wasn't there, I'd think too highly of myself. And so God brought preventative discipline. And you probably can find that in your own life. There's time that God does things. Maybe it's just inconveniences that has kept you from being in the wrong place at the wrong time or doing the wrong thing. Thank God for those preventative disciplines. Then also some discipline is just educational. I think the example of that is Job. Job is incredibly disciplined in in the book of Job. And yet, was it because of sin? No. But God was teaching Job something about himself. And I think really for all three of these, one of the questions we need to ask is, God, what are you teaching me here? I think just it would be a smart idea to get it the first time so that you don't have to go through it again. God, if it's that you're disciplining me because I have sinned and this is corrective discipline, Lord, I want to learn this lesson because I don't want to do this again. God, if it's preventative, thank you for protecting me. What are you showing me here? Or if it's educational, maybe it's just one of those things Things are going on and you're saying, God, I don't get it. Would you please help me to see what you're up to? What is God teaching me? So first of all, discipline demonstrates God's love. It also indicates relationship. The next few verses, verse 7 through 10. It is for discipline that you endure God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? But if you are without discipline, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Furthermore, we had earthly fathers to discipline us, and we respected them. Shall we not much rather be subject to the father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good, so that we may share his holiness. So discipline indicates relationship. He uses that word endure again. If, if, you have, if you're enduring discipline, go back to verse 3, and it talked about the fact that Jesus Christ endured the shame of the cross. He endured the hostility from sinners. Same word for endure. It means basically to stay under. When everybody else has left, you've endured, you've stayed there. So we've stayed under the discipline of God because He's dealing with us as sons and daughters. He's dealing with us like children. Now, let me slow down a minute because I want to make sure we get this. One of the things lacking in America this day and age is discipline in the family. And parents, I want to say this to you kids. You're probably saying, yeah, I hope my parents wouldn't discipline me. Discipline shows they love you. And parents that don't discipline their children, here's what they're missing. They're missing understanding the discipline that ultimately will come from God. God has given children parents, and He's given them discipline in the home that hopefully... They'll see the discipline they see from mom and dad and understand it then when God disciplines them. They'll learn that discipline is actually a good thing. It demonstrates love. Now, don't raise your hand. Have you ever been somewhere and you wanted to discipline somebody else's child? That can happen in restaurants. I was eating in a restaurant in Merle's Inland a few years ago and there's a kid sitting at the end of the table with a spoon just banging on his tray, you know, in his little chair there, just banging. And I mean, the parents were oblivious to it. it. Does that happen eventually? You just kind of tune it out. Is that, is that where that goes? The waitress came up to take our order and I said, are y'all doing some construction in the kitchen? Because I'm hearing a lot of banging. You know, I mean, they were the next table over. I was kind of hoping the parents would say, oh, maybe we need to stop. You know, and you're saying, Robert, you shouldn't be upset with the child. I'm not upset with the child. I'm upset with the parents who let it go on. And here's some of the excuses that I've heard from parents when I talk to parents about discipline. Here's why I think parents don't discipline like they ought to. Number one, they're lazy. Discipline is hard. It's hard work. It takes time. But parents, if your child does not understand the expectations in the home and the consequences that are part of breaking those expectations, then there's no wonder that kids don't get disciplined. If your discipline is just kind of hit and miss, it's just you discipline when you feel like it, I mean, I remember, I remember as a kid, one time I let a profanity slip out of my mouth when I was about eight years old, and my parents laughed at it. So I thought, here's a good way to get a laugh. So not longer, not too much later, a few days later, I did it again. I got a spanking. I thought, wait a minute, what's different today than the other day? I did the same thing. Well, I guess they've had enough by that point. Parents, we've got to be consistent. You can't be lazy in your discipline. The next one is some parents are just discouraged. They feel like, I've tried everything. I'm just throwing my hands up. Nothing's working. I'm just, I'm discouraged. The reason I'm not disciplining my kids anymore is I'm just, I just give up. One of the worst excuses is, well, I just want to be their friend. Really? Your kids have friends. What they need is a parent. And I've heard this one, I'm afraid of losing them. I'm afraid that if I discipline them, they'll run away from home. I remember struggling with that as a young youth minister. I had a, a kid in the youth group that I went and, and talked to a professional counselor about, and I said, I said, I'm I'm just concerned if the parents try to discipline this kid who's about fourteen or fifteen years old, that he's going to run away. And the parent and the guy said, Let him run away. It's better that he runs away at fourteen than eighteen. Because what he's doing, he's he's got to get a handle on that. There's got to be discipline there. You can't just let The kids run the household. Now, bring that back to us in our relationship with God. God's never any of these things. He's never too lazy. He's never discouraged. He wants to be our friend, but it's more important that he's God. And he's not afraid of losing us. In fact, one of the neat things about discipline in the home is it's not about the relationship. It's not about kicking them out of the house. It's about disciplining them so they can be a part of the house. Earthly fathers disciplined us, and we respect them for that. But if you're not being disciplined, then you are illegitimate children. The writer of Hebrews is saying that to a group of people in the first century living somewhere around Rome who have probably experienced discipline and it discouraged them. And he's saying, don't be discouraged. Be encouraged. God's proven His love for you. Because if you're not being disciplined, you're not His child. Let that sink in a moment. Discipline's a good thing. It indicates relationship with God. So if we have these earthly fathers that disciplines us, how much better that we have we're subject to the father of spirits? And all he's doing is he's contrasting the analogy between a father, an earthly father, and a heavenly father. In fact, he said, I'd much rather be subject to the father of spirits than live. Do you know there's the only Ten Commandment that has a promise to it is the one about obey your parents. Obey your parents that you may live long in the place where God's taken you. It's a promise. Disobey your parents, your life may be shortened. Disobey God as a child of God, your life may be shortened as well. We respect our our earthly parents. They disciplined us for a short time as seemed best to to them. And I just want to say, parents, there are times we blow it, isn't there? Don't raise your hand. Have there ever been times you disciplined one of your children and found out later you were wrong? You found out later you got the wrong child. Now, some of you, if you only got one kid in the household, it's usually pretty easy to narrow it down. We had four in our household. And sometimes you're absolutely certain which one did something and you discipline them for that, whether it's a spanking or timeout or taking a privilege away or whatever it is. And then you find out you're wrong. What do you do? Well, you go back and say, I was wrong. Well, our, heavenly, our earthly fathers and mothers discipline us for a short time, just you know, while we're young, and they do it the best way they can, the way that seemed best to them. God disciplines us for our good, that we may share in His holiness. I want you to get that. One of the purposes of God's discipline is that we can be like Him. We share in His holiness. God wants us to be like Himself. Let me teach you a couple of theological concepts here. One is, positionally, the day you come to Christ, He's made you holy because of justification. That happens the day you come to Christ. But it also begins a process of sanctification. So practically, there's still a process to holiness. And that's called sanctification. God's still at work in our life, and that's why He disciplines us. And then the last thing, discipline yields righteousness. There's a purpose to discipline. Just like in James, when it says, consider it all joy when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its perfect result, that you'll be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So in other words, when trials come my way, there's a purpose to them. When discipline comes my way, there's a purpose to it. It's not just that God got mad or angry and is punishing me, no, it's that God is lovingly sovereignly taking the time to discipline me because He loves me and bring me back into conformity with His will and His Word and to make me more like Himself. And ultimately, it's about righteousness. So, here's what he says in verse 11. All discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful, but sorrowful. Yet to those who have been trained by it afterward, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. What's he saying? He's saying, you know what? When you're going through discipline, it's not fun. In fact, if discipline was fun, it probably wouldn't be effective. So discipline is effective because, yes, for the moment, it's sorrowful. Literally, it means sadness or pain or distress. It's like weightlifting. You've seen the shirts that say, no pain, no gain. (laughs) Yeah, there's sadness to discipline. But there's a purpose to it. In the same way, a physical discipline, same way here for spiritual discipline from the Lord. There's a purpose to it. It seems sorrowful sorrowful for the moment, and yet those who are trained by it, it yields fruit. The word trained there is the word where we get the word gymnastics. Did you realize you're in training to be righteous? You're in training to be more like God. Discipline is one of the things God uses to train us towards godliness. So those who have been trained by it, afterwards, eventually, it brings about peaceful fruit. And that fruit is righteousness. What does the word righteous mean? It means the character of God. It means equitable, like God. That's what God is up to in our life, folks. And so when the people in, that are getting a letter at a church near Rome called Hebrews... When they're going through the things they're going through and they recognize, hey, seems like we're being persecuted from without, but there's also stuff going on. Seems like God's doing this. The writer of Hebrews is trying to encourage them, hey, don't don't grow weary. Don't lose heart. Don't give up. God's up to something. There's a purpose in what he's doing. Men and women of 21st century America, when you go through things, when difficult times come, first thing we need to do is say, what's God teaching me here? Is the reason I'm experiencing this because I'm doing something I shouldn't be doing? Is the reason I'm experiencing this is I'm in the wrong place at the wrong time? I'm thinking the wrong things, saying the wrong things. There's sin involved here. Then God, get me out of that. I, I confess it. Forgive me. Or it may be that God is just trying to prevent you from something or trying to educate you about His character. Discipline's a good thing, not a bad thing. Let's pray together. Father, thank You for the truth. God, we confess quite often we we don't get it. Lord, we experience discipline and our human reaction, our human response is to run from it instead of embrace it. So, Lord, our prayer is, first of all, help us to get that it it demonstrates your love for us. Thank you that you love us enough to take care with our lives and discipline us to bring us into conformity with your will. God, help us even to be that kind of light in the world that when people see us experience discipline, we respond to it properly. God, thank you for loving us. In Christ's name.